coming back to the show after a few months. Great to have our friend, the legend, Bob Costas, joining us. Bob, great to see you. Oh, wow. We're in a different spot, and it is an immaculate reception. Well, yeah, after much trial and error. Why is it <laughs> that to be on with you guys and the sainted Claudia talking me through it, I need a graduate degree from MIT? Why <laughs> is it so difficult to connect with you guys? I figured you had an honorary degree from MIT, but at this point, you have an honorary degree from every other Ivy League school in the world. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Indianapolis uh, at the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, and just uh, finished interviewing Larry Bird and raced back to the hotel at your request, AJ. So you guys better raise your game because I just finished with Larry Legend. Wow. Oh, wow. Did he have oh. long shorts on or super small tight shorts? Because that's all that really matters. <laughs> <laughs> he, was hey. in, he was in actual street clothes. So. Oh, okay, good. Did well, you, have you been to uh, St. Elmo's yet? I have to ask. Mm. No, that, that is on tap tomorrow night. Oh, shrimp cocktail in the New York Strip. Oh, man. Oh. And, uh, Whatever the drink Classic. is, the special drink they have there, that's like a yeah, cherry I, coke thing. Oh, yeah, that, that that doesn't ring the bell for me, but the shrimp cocktail and the steak does. Saint oh. Elmo since nineteen oh three. Well, yep. Bob, we are beyond honored for real that you told yeah, Larry okay. got to go and talk to Pierzynski. So <laughs> let's get right to biz. <laughs> yeah, what, and, what and, you... and and he said, yeah. and, and he said, huh? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you think yesterday? about the commissioner saying that he's going to step down after this term. And I know you're really good at evaluating legacy. What do you think it currently is and what can it be? Well, there are a few things on the table that have to be worked out. Um, I think it's, it's always a good thing for somebody not to hang on too long. Um, he's been there quite a long time. You know, he was the, uh, the main counsel to the commissioner's office when Selig was the commissioner. So he's been an important player in baseball for decades now, uh, there's probably expansion to 32 teams and therefore realignment of the divisions. That's probably on his docket. Uh, resolving the Oakland situation one way or another. Um, and when does the next uh, collective bargaining agreement come up? Seems like it was just, a, just, just yesterday that they got that in the rearview mirror, but it comes back again uh, pretty quickly. So if that overlaps the end of his term, that, that's something he'll have to work out. Or if he's lucky, he's just handing it to someone else as he walks out the door, because that is always a pain for the commissioner. Aren't you supposed to be the next commissioner? That was like the uh, rumor forever that Bob Costas is going to be the next commissioner of baseball. Do it. You know, that was that was knocking around in the 1990s and the early 2000s, and I never added any fuel to that fire. I always flatly said, I am not qualified. I am not interested just take my name out of the conversation, but it's very flattering that people mention it at one time or another. But was, was there I'm anything not properly else? qualified. You are with your uh, honorary degree from Ivy League schools. You're more than qualified. Trust huh. me. <laughs> what, was there anything you, else? You know what? I, all the backroom, all the backroom finagling and arm twisting and all the politics of it. <laughs> God bless anybody who wants to do it and is good at it. Yeah, for forty million a year, I might take that job. Uh, but, True. <laughs> but was there anything else he said that caught your eye? Because we talked about the A's and how the A's situation. He was kind of like, well, you know, mm -hmm. we're confident it's going to happen, and it's acceptable where the A's stadium is going to go. And then also he kind of talked, and we're going to ask you this also about the uniforms. He talked about the uniforms. They're like, ah, eh, the players will get used to them. Screw them. What's what's with the new uniforms? I'm out of the loop here. Oh, so that everyone hates the new uniforms. The letters, like, instead of being, like, this big, 
are all like this big and they're, they're instead of being stitched on they're glued on the cardinals you'll this will get you the cardinals red is a different shade there's there, oh. there's a lot of people complaining like you can't get their jersey oh, no made custom red. pants no custom pants you know how important that is Ugh. oh this 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 could cause uh quite a kerfuffle here um yes, it has especially <laughs> especially especially if it's the traditional teams and, and I haven't seen it. I'm kind of out of the loop. Uh, I guess the commissioner must have had a press conference today, which I uh, yesterday entirely. Is that, is, That's when he announced that, that he, you know, was going to step down. But obviously, there were some other things brought up. There's the the difference yeah. in the left side versus you know, the right side. Well, just just uh, back to the uniforms for a second. If you're a Tiger fan, <clears throat> pardon me, and that old English D goes away, if they fiddle with the Yankee pinstripes. If they fiddle too much with the birds on the bat in St. Louis, uh, there there will be a rebellion. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. But, I mean, they, there are certain ones that are just you can't mess with. And they already they yeah. did change the Yankee Road uniform though this year. They made it like 1950s or something, where they took off the yeah. things on the sleeve and they made it. So I mean, you know, they maybe they were ahead of their time. They knew they were going to these different looking ones. So the Yankees like, oh, we're just going to get ahead of it and make ours look like that, anyways. Yeah, back to the old road grays that I remember when I was a really little kid. Uh, the Yankees of the 50s and early 60s had those distinctive gray uniforms. And the Yankees were always resistant to putting the names on the back of a uniform. The number, yes, and the pinstripes, and that's it. Hey, Bob, how do we fix the offseason slog at times? I mean, sometimes this doesn't happen, but there's the stare down right now with the Boris clients and the teams and I will say yeah. this because it's a pretty easy one to sum up from, from yesterday. The commissioner said that they proposed a deadline that would happen somewhere in December for free agency. And obviously the PA and the agents were like, no chance that'll bring our, our prices down and that will restrict us. So I don't think that's necessarily going yeah. to happen. But I think we can all agree that when we still don't have a lot of free agents signed, it's not great for the sport. And of course, for business of the teams, they can't market players for ticket sales. Yeah. Well, maybe they could... Uh arrive at a middle ground here. Like, let's say, February 1st. Uh, the players wouldn't want December. That's very, very quick. And it probably would uh, hurt some of the bidding that people like Boris are skillful at. Let's see if we can get a little bit of a thing going, this team, that team. Uh, but by February 1st, uh, teams want to know what's what's coming to spring training with them. And like you said, they want to be able to market to their fans. So maybe February 1st is a good compromise. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair. I can't um, argue with that. Yeah, that gives them more time. Yeah. That's definitely more reasonable. December's way December's too soon. December's crazy. That's, yeah. I was, that's insane. Guys, I, I apologize. I was traveling yesterday, and it wasn't a direct flight. I had to connect in Phoenix to get to Indianapolis. Um, and so I was completely out of the loop. I should have no checked problem. to see if there was any big baseball news in the last 24 hours. And now here I am failing you. But it's no, a no, nice no. hotel room and a nice I, backdrop. I'm just shocked you don't have a private jet. That's what I'm wondering about. <laughs> It, it exists at times, I'm sure, in, in the right case. I'm just confused by that. Like, private yeah, I, I yeah, do have there. There have been times, yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Bob, okay, I have one for you. That's news from about almost a week ago that I okay. feel like you've probably caught, and it is so up your alley. Uh-huh. Baseball in the Olympics in 2028 has to happen. Yes or no? Has to happen in the United States. Baseball and softball, both Los Angeles Olympics. Absolutely has to happen. With MLB players. Well, you know, Manfred has mentioned that from time to time. Uh, you have to pause the whole season 
Um, and you, you're going to have to figure out a way. It can't be the full breadth of the Olympics. You've got to make it pretty tight. Um, you know, hand, maybe, maybe you play it out over four or five days and it's no, and maybe, maybe there's no all-star break that season. There's ways to accommodate it, but it can't be the whole fortnight plus that an Olympics is because that's too big of a disruption within a 162 game season. But could they accommodate it? I think they could. Yeah. Well, the, the plan they're saying was five or six days, lose the all-star game or do the all-star game in LA around the Olympics. Yeah. But have guys in mid and only have like six or eight countries in yeah. it to make it to where you can abbreviate right. it. And I'm all for it. I want to see this. I mean, listen, I want to see the best players. And every player we talk to say, hey, if it was in the middle of the season and I'm up and running and ready to go, I'd have a much easier time saying yes to it. And I agree. Like, mm-hmm. this would be awesome for the game. Yeah, if you, if you take care of the logistics, as you just laid out, if you take care of the logistics and you compress it, uh, sure, we want everybody to have a chance, but – Let's let's compress it. Give the United States and one or two other com- countries an automatic buy into the semifinals or whatever it is. Then you can probably pull it off. Mm-hmm. Got it. Are you speaking of Los Angeles? You're calling Dodger games this year. Is that your plan for this year? Uh, no, <laughs> I just do a handful of games for the MLB Network, and I do a handful for TNT or TBS uh, when Brian Anderson is busy with the NBA playoffs in April and May. And it just turns out that the first three, four games I'm doing happen to be in Southern California. I'm doing Otani's first game at Dodger Stadium on March 28th against the Cardinals. Um, and then a couple of Giants-Dodgers games the next week and a Cubs-Padres game after that. So that, that actually works out well for me logistically because in the winter, I'm in California. And right now, if you haven't figured it out, AJ, for me, everything is about my personal convenience. That's pretty much what it is. It's pretty much what it is. I, I feel like you want to earned... pay me three times. You want to pay me three times as much to go to Houston, but but I can stay home and I, I'm I'm good with staying home. Yeah. So, so you are becoming a Dodgers announcer. It's okay. We get it. We get it. Are, are you gonna root? Are you gonna root? Wait. So and again, don't give me. You don't root. I know you do. Are you gonna root for the Cardinals or the Dodgers when you're calling that game? Because you know every every national announcer you know root, yeah. loves one team and hates. Wait, they love each team, but they hate each you know, team depending on who you talk to. Just. Just talking with Joe Buck about this recently. Every network announcer knows this, and everyone will tell you, with very few exceptions, we root for a good game. We root for a good storyline. If <laughs> one team is the for first the two of a best of seven, you want the other team to come back and make it interesting. So, you know, Otani is going to be the big story. It's not going to be a perfectly normal broadcast because Otani is going to take up a lot of the oxygen. But the Cardinals, of course, are kind of a national team. And they had an off year last year, and they seem to have improved their chances this time around. So uh, there's storylines with those two teams. What, what you dread as a national announcer is teams that don't really have that much that has broad national appeal. Uh, in this case, we're okay. All right. You're at the NBA All-Star Game. A great mm-hmm. spectacle, a great league that is kind of passing MLB by. What's the difference between Adam Silver and Rob Manfred in the stuff that they could, that they one does better than the other one. You know, I'm not dodging it. I, I don't know that I've given this enough thought uh, comparison of the two, you know, in truth, um, the NBA may have more marketing sizzle, you know, with LeBron and Steph Curry and others, they may have more marketing sizzle, but when you think of the cumulative attendance at major league baseball games, the cumulative eyeballs over the course of a season, 
uh, the playoff ratings. You know, this isn't the Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson era for the NBA, despite the presence of Jokic and Doncic and and Curry and LeBron and and Giannis and, and everybody else. This is their ratings have actually been a, a big fall off from the past generation. It's just that baseball seems to be held to a higher standard. Every time baseball doesn't match what it used to be, oh, it used to be the national pastime and now it's not anymore. You know, apples to apples, I don't think baseball is behind the NBA. Everybody and everything is behind the NFL. Not just everything in sports, everything in American entertainment is be behind the NFL. And nothing, that none of the issues that the NFL confronts, especially the very nature of the game and CTE, a lot of people just make their peace with that. Yeah, we know. Okay. We, we want our football and we want to bet on our football and we want our Taylor Swift and, you know. They've got a lot of football's got a lot of advantages. You only play one game a week. It televises well at a time of the year when most people aren't outside because it's fall and winter. And every playoff game is the equivalent of a seventh game in hockey, basketball, or baseball. We know how high a seventh game rates as compared to one through six. They've got that going for them. Then they got two weeks between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. It's one game, one day, and everybody can point toward that. Not like the World Series. Oh, last night, game six. Now it's 3-3. Tomorrow there's a game seven. You know, there's just built-in advantages for football. And I think that people compare baseball how it used to be. Back in the day when game seven and 86 in the World Series between the Red Sox and the Mets got like four times the rating of Monday night football. And that was Giants against Washington. Those days are gone. But I don't think that baseball is in a deficit position, only only when compared to football, I guess. What if you sat down with some St. Elmo's shrimp cocktail with yeah. Rob, Mr. Manfred, yep. what would you encourage him to do to grow the game? You know, I think they're doing a lot of things that are the appropriate things to do. Uh, they're reaching out to kids. Uh, the last draft had more American-born black players in it than in recent history. I think that's a good thing. They're doing all the marketing that they can in, in that respect. Uh, a couple of things I've mentioned wouldn't be so much about growing the game but improving the game. Now that the pace of play has been dramatically improved and everybody seems to like it, there's no reason to put a ghost runner on second base in the 10th inning. Play at least one inning of straight baseball, if not two. I understand that managers and front offices don't want marathon games anymore because of the way you handle modern pitching. But the very fact that they don't use the ghost runner in the postseason indicates that they know it's kind of gimmicky. And it made sense when they did it. It was during COVID. They wanted to get the players off the field. Games were dragging on three and a half hours. Now none of that applies. So I would say play at least one inning that way um, straight before you put the ghost runner on base. And the playoff format, I think, can be tweaked. It takes a little while for me to tell you, and you may be running out of time, but if you have two minutes, I could give you my tweak. Mm. Well, I, I mean, you know what we'll do, Bob? We'll have you back on, because that way you okay, have to that's promise you come back on with us. And, and so yeah. we have, I have two more questions for you before, before okay. we let you go. One okay. is, what's your, you, we asked you this last time, what was your favorite call you said of all time? Your, your favorite game you ever called? That, that I did? Yes. Um, you know, the favorite regular season game is the Ryan Sandberg game. The Sandberg yeah, game. Said, I thought you said the Jordan. I thought you said the Jordan game. The last Jordan game was your favorite one, right? Yeah, they're, they're both they're both connected to Chicago. 
Um, you know, that was such an epic ending to one of the great careers in the history of sports. You couldn't have scripted it any better. I was, I was lucky enough to call Derek Jeter's last at bat at Yankee Stadium, but the championship wasn't on the line, as dramatic as that was uh, for Jeter with the walk-off hit. Uh, the Jordan thing brought everything together, but confining it to baseball, regular season Sandberg, it'll be 40 years this June, and I know they're going to roll out all the highlights from that. And in the postseason, uh, 97 World Series, Marlins and Cleveland went uh, to a seventh game, and the seventh game went to extra innings with a lot of strategy involved, so you can't ask for more than that. Okay, so the Jordan game, who was your partner? Doug Collins and Isaiah Thomas. Okay, so did you watch, you watch the Super Bowl, obviously, because you mentioned Taylor yep. Swift. Yeah. What would you have done if, if when Jordan goes and he pushes off, Brian Mitchell makes the shot and he stands there, and Doug Collins was like, over talks over you. You're like, and Jordan, and then Doug Collins jumps in and like Tony Romo did to Jim Nance in the Super Bowl. Jim Nance <laughs> is like trying to set it up. Tony Romo's like, well, look, the cheerleaders are on the field and the this yeah. and that. And then Jim Nance is like, and there's a touchdown. You know, I, I really like Tony. I think everybody who knows him does. Uh, exuberance is good. Sometimes you have to hold yourself in check. I always have said to the people I worked with, and I feel this way when I'm watching a game on television, Let's say it's five seconds to go inbounding from half court in a one-point game in basketball. And then the analyst is telling you three different things that at that point, even John Wooden wouldn't be interested in because all that matters is the drama of these five seconds. Get out of the way so that the play-by-play -play guy has enough time not only to let it breathe, but also to set it up and the call. There, it's the call that matters more than the analysis. Over time... The analysis is very important over the course of the full game. But when you get down to the great moments, think about it this way in baseball. When you get down to the great moments, we hardly ever hear the analyst or color man. You hear the play-by-play -play man. You hear Vin Scully. You hear Jack Buck or whoever it might be. Those are the, the calls that kind of resonate down the corridors of time. So the idea is when the whole thing is at stake, give it to the play-by-play -play man. But thinking back to that moment, I called the shot. There was still five seconds to go. And then when the replays came on, Doug and Isaiah talked about it. And then I took it back again and tried to put it into some kind of historical context. And then there was still five seconds to go. And there was enough time for me to say to Doug Collins, okay, coach, what do you do if you're Jerry Sloan? That's the way it should be. It isn't a matter of who gets to talk more. It's a matter of who should talk when. Agreed. Agreed. Sometimes you just got to shut up as the analyst. That's why you play by play, guys. <laughs> You fly on private jets, and I fly on Southwest. I get it. It's cool. It's cool. But here's it's the cool. thing, AJ, here's what you have to know. Anytime I've had a private jet, I let everybody get on the plane. Oh, uh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to leave Ron Darling in Houston and, and take off on my <laughs> What I kind of teammate would I be? Uh, in, fact, true, right? in fact, when I have been lucky enough to have that, then, then everyone, they practically carry me out of the ballpark on their shoulders and they dub it Air Costas. So, I love it. There you go. I love it. I love it. Hey, you know what the best friend is? One that has a private jet that lets you ride with them. So that's great. great. All right. So last that's thing. Fact. Last thing. So Art yeah. just mentioned your colleagues. Well, one of our colleagues, Ken Rosenthal, texted me this morning and he said, yeah. oh, too bad you're not on today because you're having Bob Costas on. I just want him to know I'm taller than him. And since he's in Indianapolis, I would love to take him to the hoop and dunk on him. So I'm just going to let you have your time. And he said you would get all over it. So we, here's, we have here's your arena. Through, we have been through this before. Kenny Rosenthal is a giant of baseball media. And Kenny Rosenthal is five foot five. 
In fact, I think he showed his driver's license once on MLB Network and it said 5-4. You know, here's my feeling. If you're 5-4 and a half, no one wants to hear the half. Round it up, okay? So I'm 5-6 and a half. I round it up to 5-7, right? That's, why, that's allowed. Now, if I was if I was 5-6 and a quarter, that would be a lie, okay? But either way, either way, the guy who's getting posted up in this pickup game approaching a geriatric pickup game in my case, but in this pickup game, I'm posting him up, not the other way around. Okay. I just, he, he listen, he literally, te- I can, I showed Scott the text. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. He literally was like, Oh, you're not on too bad. You can have Costas make fun of me and how I'm, you know, taller than him. And I was like, Whoa, I am on actually. And he's like, Oh, there you go. You're welcome.